Hello and welcome to series two of the Training for Influence podcast. Our aim is to help you deliver the best training possible. We'll be exploring how to make the most of every single second in a training session and how to deliver training so that it has added influence. You'll be hearing from me, Tammy Banks, and I'll be chatting with Training for Influence graduates, facilitators and experts who can speak to each of the steps. Expert, tailored, engaging and values-led. We hope you find these podcasts really beneficial. It's my great privilege to speak to Andy Pollard today. Andy retired from the police in February this year after 16 years in the safeguarding department. Once he retired, he decided that he'd like to be able to share his experience with his colleagues and peers, but wasn't sure whether he had the skills to be a trainer. Andy's now graduated from the Training for Influence programme, where he learned the techniques and built the confidence to facilitate training. Here, Andy tells you about his journey and why he's recommended to his police colleagues that they look into Training for Influence accreditation. Andy, tell me a little bit about yourself and why you were interested in Training for Influence. Okay, I'm retired Detective Sergeant, West Yorkshire Police, finished in February this year. The last 16 years I've spent working in safeguarding, covering many different areas. Started off working with child protection, where we looked at intrafamiliar abuse and position of trust mainly, especially supervisors. We worked on the position of trust. Then I went on a historic investigation, major investigation into children's homes. I did that for four years. Oh, sorry, I also covered public protection, managing sex offenders in the community as well prior to that. Went on the major investigation, came back. I'd been talking about CSE at that point, and that being the next big crime area to break. I picked up a team again of child protection, but offered to supervise some CSE officers. Or those was just doing liaison at that time. There was very little investigation in the police and was then told that I was then running CSE for Leeds District. I then became involved in the strategic side, looking at risk assessments around both offenders, suspects, and also around those at risk, the young people themselves. Did that for a number of years, rapidly became recognised as an expert. From there, I started to talk about modern-day slavery. Of course, that came in next. So I then, again, got responsibility for that. Sometimes you think maybe I ought to keep my mouth shut. Uh, (laughs) Pick that one up. I tell you, as you're talking, Andy, I'm going, well, that's the first element of the methodology ticked. Experts by operation. That's it, isn't it? But then from there, people started talking about county lines. And I was saying, but you're missing the bigger picture. It's not just county lines. It's the same model for child criminal exploitation. You've got to look at those that are being shipped up and down the country that are doing the curtain-side lorries, the children that are being used to do phone shops that are taken out, that are doing thefts in shops, shoplifting, things like that. The organised begging, the organised sex trade, the links into... uh, And that was the best conversation I had with some Mm. people, was trying to explain it was all involved into organised crime. And what I was getting was, yeah, but theft's not a priority. Yeah, I'm saying, hold on a minute, this is organised crime. And it's an indicator, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. And when I'm saying, yeah, it's going cross-borders, it's national, you're looking at this, and people are looking at me, you can see light bulbs coming on, and I'm going, hold on a minute. So, yeah, so I, I worked through that, and again, a lot of people recognise me as an expert. I spoke at some conferences, 
at a national conference, I was asked to speak by basis. Right. And that was a shock to me because I never classed myself as that expert. But you, yes, you, have, you just described very much that you are an expert by experience. But that's it, isn't it? It's experience. Yeah. But again, I'm not somebody that's going to put myself on a pedestal about it. I always moved around jobs for every three years in the police. And I said I'd stay in safety guarding for three years. And I didn't. I stayed for 16 years. <laughs> it gets you like that, though, doesn't it, it? It does. And this is why we talk about moving on to yourselves and training for influence, because you become passionate about it, passionate about young people, passionate about vulnerabilities. Yeah. And when you're leaving, and as we've already spoken about, you also become frustrated about other people's lack of knowledge sometimes. Yeah. And when they are looking around to replace you, they're going, we have nobody that's anywhere close. But you go, I'm working in a big organisation that should have people with this knowledge. So that can't be right. But then when you move away, I would describe that, yes, I am an expert knowledge at the moment. But in six months' time, if I leave it, then I'm not. But yeah. you've come away from this, and I'll put a link into my private life as well, from this is I also do a lot of rugby coaching, but I work with girls. Now, to see some of those girls with vulnerabilities, yeah. a few years ago, I did a video for the club working with the local college. Asked them to do one. If you have a look on YouTube, you'd see it. Describing our rugby club, trying to get more people to play, and they interviewed some of the players, some of the girls, some of the players. And I looked at all the outtakes afterwards, and I had two girls in there who disclosed personal personal problems that they'd had when they was younger, and how rugby had changed that to people that they'd never met before. And I'll be honest, I sat here with a tear in my eye. Yeah. And again, it's that, it's because you care. Yeah. So looking at your training for influence and what you offer and what comes across is this passion for the subject, but also for individuals. And that's more important to me, is how we can protect young people and change their lives. That's what I see as potentially being able to put back with everything that I've done previously. I spoke right at the beginning when we said, and I says, I'm not a trainer. I'm not a trainer, I'm a facilitator. That's one of the words that I use straight away. Training that I've done, or it's been described as training, I've always said, I'm not a trainer. Prior to, because when you talk about the police force there, you talk about the different work that you've done whilst you've been in the police force. Did you deliver any of that work to others? Did you facilitate? Yes, I did. Yeah, I did. Of course, I had my own team that I ran. There was individuals that I did some close work with who was looking at promotion and things like that. I'm a specialist suspect interviewer. I'm a specialist interview advisor. So I gave training as that way. I did some work with the... NHS. I was asked to do one on county lines. I went and gave. Again, it was meant to be training, but it wasn't. Yeah. I facilitated because to me, it's a two-way conversation. You must have been so pleased when you heard when we were on like the second or third training for influence live session, and I explained why we use the term facilitator and not trainer. You must have just oh, been yeah, nodding along. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing for me was, and I'll be honest, when we first started, I wasn't sure that I was the right person because I'm not a trainer. And I found some of the things difficult until later on when you looked at the learning styles because I've never looked at anything like that. Okay, so I'll describe that I did train for the police, but I spent three years teaching defensive tactics, self-defense, which was a program of this is what you do this way. Yeah, That's a trainer. 
a facilitator is actually what knowledge and experience have you got that we can develop and you can share with everybody else. So my later training sessions or my work for the RFU is actually, what do you think? What's your knowledge around this? And can we share it together and guide those conversations through to cover what we've got in the pack, what we've got on the slides, but using their own knowledge to bring that out. Well, what you're describing is actually a personalised learning. Yeah. Because what you're talking about is actually meeting the delegates at their current, I guess, experience, understanding. You meet them there and then take them on that journey. Because you're talking about still being very connected to those objectives and still having the same learning yeah. outcomes, but not just imparting the knowledge on them. You're exploring that with them, aren't you? Yeah, but now I know that through what I've done with you over the last four weeks. <laughs> Oh, well, so was, that, was that a recognition as you've gone through the programme that actually you yes. can do this and you are a facilitator? Yeah, that's what it is. And that's why I say now at this point, yeah, I sent you the email saying I'd like to continue. That's actually huge. That's like a huge realisation. If you were yeah, of the course thinking, but I'm not a trainer, I'm not sure this is for me. And then at the end, yeah. you're like, actually, yeah, I, I'm a facilitator and this is a perfect fit. That's Yeah, huge. I, I think some of the things is for us, isn't it? I don't know whether it's me, but it's personal. Is it comfort that we like? Yes, we like, as a police officer, we like to challenge ourselves. We like to grow. We like to learn new things. We look for challenges in life. You come out of that. And I describe a lot of people in those organisations become institutionalised. Yeah. And they don't know anything outside and they become very, very difficult when they leave to do anything different. And that's why so many of them rejoin. Whereabouts, as I say, I have my social side well away from anything in that area. Whereabouts some professional organisations only socialise within that organisation. So they don't get cross-pollination. They don't learn other things. They only learn what's in there. So coming out of it, you are a little bit, ooh, what yeah. else can I do? I don't want to work in the same area that I did before. I'll be honest about it, I don't want to do place work. But this is different. Yeah. But it's still the experience that I've got and that can be used for something worthwhile. Not something for me, because it's not something that I need to do. I'll be honest, it's not something that I need to do. I could sit and twiddle my thumbs all day. I could go out with my dog. It's really interesting because we've got, well, you'll know, we've got quite a few um, ex-police officers, facilitators, who have gone through the train for inference methodology. In fact, I think somebody referred you, didn't they? Yeah, they Um, did. But quite often they say the exact same. They say, well, actually, we joined the police at a time, which means that we left with a decent police pension. We don't need to do this but we want to, and yeah. I think that's amazing. It's such an amazing position to be in because then you yeah. do it for all of the right reasons. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? It's got to be those right reasons for us. Yeah. Got to have that passion to be able to do that to start off. So apart from kind of, I guess, that real realisation that actually you are a facilitator, tell me a little bit about what you found useful about the methodology as we were going through the four different elements. The four different elements, well, we've already spoken about the expert part of it. The one bit that really jumped out for me, and I mentioned it on one of the evenings, was the personal side, how we involve people, but also the warnings about how we've got to look after ourselves. Yeah. That, In the values-led element, the bit yes. about building the emotional resilience of the delegate. Absolutely. The I'll be honest, I was or felt broken by the time it was coming up to the end. It was that rat on a treadmill, charging around every day, up early, getting in, you know, hour before you should be, 
sat at your desk all day, continuous feeling browbeaten and down, but still going and doing it and still fighting on and still having the same discussions with people. And uh, as I'm saying to people that are retiring now, what you'll find more than anything else is you get a full night's sleep. (laughs) And and that's the difference. And recognising that really hit home because, again, statutory agencies talk about it, but give it lip service. But this is why I kind of, like I get on my um, high horse about this and rant on about the fact that I truly think we expect so much from our frontline professionals and police are an amazing example of this. They literally are keeping us safe and responding in the most complex and chaotic of situations, yet we don't invest in the individuals on the front line and they're, they're our most precious resource. And if we invest in them and really support them and build their emotional resilience, it enables them not to feel how you felt at the end. Absolutely. If I could strong arm all of the different agencies into actually each of their workers having a few days every year where they go on a proper detailed emotional resilience course, that's what I'd do. But unfortunately now it just isn't realistic. We've tried to force that historically different people have it's kind of one of the reasons why training for influence even exists because i felt the same within homelessness and services and it was well the only training that is going to get booked is going to be mandatory or specialist training so let's sneak these things into there and that's how it became a golden thread because it really was about recognizing that my team when i was an operational manager needed this and needed it regularly Yeah, that's the thing. And I really looked after my team and people that have taken over from me and other people that have worked with them have said, I've never met a team like it. Testament to you, Andy. Not to me, to them. (laughs) To Uh, all of you as a team. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But again, it's that personal look, isn't it? They worked really, really hard. So I was prepared to give them things. And I think a lot of organisations just take yeah. And I'm saying, no, it isn't like, it shouldn't be like that. It is balanced. And of course, safeguarding is an area whereabouts we get a lot of female officers. People used to slag it off. Oh, yes. Laura Ashley squad is what it used to be referred to in the child protection days. But I said, yeah, I'm a parent as well. I understand when your child's poorly, you want to take them to the doctors. Yeah. So don't worry about ringing me up and asking. If your child's poorly, I'll send you home. Exactly. They're people too, yeah, aren't they? I'll say it. Yeah, you know, we were lucky. We were in a position, you know, my partner works part-time, so we could usually manage it between us. I had the benefit of I could work at home sometimes, whereabouts my team couldn't always. But it was that, get off, we'll sort it later. Andy, let me ask you, I wanted to reflect on one of the training sessions that we did was the engaging one. We talked through on the evening where we did the live sessions, we talked through some of the different learning styles and the importance of meeting everybody's different learning styles and how it's a privilege to have people in the room and we want them to take away as much as possible yes and we talked about accelerated learning and things and then after that I sent all of you the raft chapter of the book a lot of that was quite new to you but actually played with some of the strengths that you know you've got as well will you tell us a little bit about that yeah it was nice was that and that one pulled it all together for me Like I say, we started on the first one and I fell a little bit out of depth on the first week looking at things and as I was saying and as we just discussed, facilitator, not a trainer. And then as we moved through with that and as we got to that one and when I read those chapters in the book, 
that was the thread that pulled everything together for me. Oh, yay. Because then I understood properly the different learning styles. Because I'd be honest, I'd go on some courses and I'd sit there and I'd be bored out of my head. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll be honest about it. Yeah, I'd be the one that you could say nodding. Yeah, that's because I didn't get a lot of sleep anyway. <laughs> in the example in the book where I talk about my eyes rolling backwards and, and yeah. nearly falling asleep. Oh, yeah, I, I could. That was me. <laughs> that was me. But I were worse. It felt like I'd been in a car accident on some courses. But I remember some others who was so engaging. Yeah. You've probably seen her at some point or heard of her, Zoe Lodrick. Ah, oh, yes, I do know Zoe Lodrick well. Zoe's imports are absolutely She's fantastic. fantastic. Isn't she fantastic? Yeah. And In fact, I'll imports. tell you something now, Andy. Andy, yeah. the first time, so on all of our courses, so Zoe, if you listen to this podcast at all, on all of our Tay training courses, we have the sweets and toys and yeah. pens and smelly stuff in the middle of our tables. Yeah. Uh, probably a good eight, nine years ago, so before Tay training even existed, I attended a course where Zoe did that, and it was the first yeah. time I'd ever experienced it. And I spent half of the course thinking, oh my gosh, I'm still awake. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm still... And yeah. so that was the first time. And actually, I'd forgotten that until you just mentioned it there. Yeah. I'd forgotten because I remember her saying there was these smelly pens that were marker pens. And I remember her saying, please, please don't take them with you. Everybody takes them with them. But I need them for the next session. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I've seen her a few times. But she's that engaging, isn't she? And Absolutely. she links her stories with, look at me, how my husband talks to me, or yeah. Yeah, does my bum look big in this? And everybody <laughs> can relate to what she's yeah. saying, which then ties them in to the thread of learning. And the fact that you, that's where your mind went when you read that chapter. Yeah, it's relating back to what training I've had. The ones whereabouts I've switched off, yeah. the ones whereabouts I've found it really engaging. And one of the other ones that I find that's really engaging uh I think he's a superintendent now, he was a chief inspector, and he came to talk about it was county lines, and we gave a presentation to lead city councillors, and we had an input that night around it, and Carl came to talk, and he was so passionate yeah. about it, and that's what comes across, and that's what comes across when I listen to Becky on the day's course. It was the passion for the subject and how... He what subject was she delivering? Uh, it was the safeguarding course. Ah, yes, of course it was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's a fantastic trainer. Yeah, I think it's that what comes across. Was it reaffirming for you? Because at the beginning of this, you said about being unsure because you're not a trainer and then kind of recognised as you went through the Training for Influence course yeah. that you were a facilitator. But when you look at the learning styles, one of the things that that does for me is actually give me a little bit of, I guess, understanding and recognition that facilitating is a proper way to teach it's a really powerful yes. way to teach and it yes. sounds like that's your natural way of teaching and now yeah. you've got some academic understanding behind it as well yeah that's the thing for me is that academic understanding i'm not academic by any reasons or standards or anything else i don't have a levels i didn't go to university yeah i worked on a building site as a laborer before i joined police to get to whereabouts i did really is quite surprising for myself or that's what i feel when i look back at my history and where i was before i joined the police you should be really proud of all of those lives it's, that you've influenced yeah it's it's the passion it's the passion yeah. for the subjects that i've got involved with yeah. and if i stand and talk or somebody listens to me a lot of times i come across very monotone but not when i'm into something like this that i'm passionate about 
And do you think having this methodology will influence the way that you deliver a session? Yes, it will do. Yes, understanding the learning styles, that will help because again, I've looked around sometimes at the audience and say, oh yeah, that one's got to sleep over there. <laughs> that was a security guard at the hospital and we're having a nod. Yeah, I had a young lad do it at one of my safeguarding ones at rugby. Everybody else was fully engaged. He yeah. wasn't. Everybody else was my sort of age group and probably understood and had more concerns around the areas that they was working and the potential impact on themselves. Yeah. Whereabouts he was doing it to tick a box. And it's understanding that, I think. Yeah. Now I'd identify that and then change my style or bring something else yeah. in. Fantastic. That's brilliant. Yeah, so is that. I've often thought when I've been to some of them, yeah, somebody's throwing a bag of sweets on the table. Yeah, one of the favourites for one of the guys at the RFU when he was running a course and stuff, used to turn up with freebies. Yeah, I've got that many England scarves at home. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Yeah, pair of shorts. Great, fantastic. When was the last time I wore a 32-inch waist? <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. That's it, I'll give it to my son. <laughs> It sounds like that you naturally deliver from kind of a values-led perspective because you've got that passion. Yeah. And it sounds like the values part of valuing others with regards to the emotional resilience and the delegates and stuff played right into reaffirming your thought process anyway. Yeah, that's what I think sells it more to me. I can identify with it a lot better than at the start. But yeah, at the start I came in a little bit blind. Yes, I'd been told what you did and everything else that was suggested that I might want to apply, but I didn't know anything in depth. I'd looked at your courses that take training offer. Oh, yeah. And I went, actually, where do I fit into these? But then having the conversations and listening to the things, yes, I can see where I fit into them, as well as being able to offer other things. From a, I guess, a going through the course perspective and from the methodology perspective, and bearing in mind that you were referred by somebody else, would you recommend this to your colleagues coming out of the police or looking to come into the yes. sector from a methodology? Yeah. Yes, I would. I'll even go as far as to say my partner starts the training school in September. She's worked in safeguarding for the last 16 years as well, but all her experience is child protection. And I've said to her, listen to these podcasts. Yay! Just because I found them very good. It's nice. It's a short, quick hit. Yeah. It's very easy to listen to. And again, that enthusiasm comes over. Would you recommend that she comes on the Training for Influence course? Yes, I would. I would. And West George Police, no doubt, will have some courses that she's got to look at and things like that. But to understand, and I don't know what they're going to offer and how they're going to look at it or anything else. Like I say, when I was the trainer, I got, here you are, I'd worked in public order. Again, I was an expert in a different area at that point around what I did. And this is your package. We didn't really get any input on, actually, this is the different learning styles. This is what you do with things. But I like the training for influence style. Yeah. And I think she'd get something out of it. So, again, it's one of those, one of the girls who was on my team, she's also got a job at the same time as training school. <laughs> as a coincidence. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd say to both of them, look at this look at this model for how you train well one of the things that we aim to do in the future when the book has come out and we're a little bit further down the line 
is actually go and have some conversations with the training schools to say, would you be interested in your trainers going through the package and then having long-term support? Because obviously we're making it into community. And I think from the perspective of trainers, facilitators, actually that continual ongoing learning where you're getting those lives in the Facebook group of different people's experience that you wouldn't get anywhere else. You get to connect with other trainers and facilitators and share ideas and support each other. Like you've had, you've had a couple of facilitators helping you with the online version and kind of sharing those ideas. I think one of the things that we're really passionate about with Training for Influence is actually internal training departments, particularly within statutory services and charities working within this field, see the value of actually their staff members being part of the Training for Influence program for that ongoing support and for that methodology application as well. Yeah. Yeah. What I've got from the Training for Influence over the last four weeks, one of the big areas for me personally is the upskilling of myself, listening to those podcasts, those areas that I haven't done a lot of work in and have some knowledge in is actually bringing that back. So courses I might have done a number of years ago or areas of business in my previous role that was in a few years back, it's bringing those things back to me, refreshing ideas, making you think and link things together. That was always a big one for me. As people talk about child sexual exploitation, I talk about child exploitation because it's not just sexual, it's not just criminal. And then you link into that the different types. And you normal child protection around your vulnerabilities and your abuse. And it's tying all those together and then taking them where they lead or where they can lead. One of the big things that I always said was, we give people the tools a lot of times, but nobody teaches them how to use them. And that is something that I'm quite passionate about, being able to offer examples of how something fits in. And I really enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, It's nice to talk to you. Like I say, your passion comes across in it quite obviously. You put time into people and that comes across. Oh, well, I'm glad because I do believe really, really passionately in the difference delivering from training for influence methodology can make. And so it's lovely to hear that from you. I will speak to you again soon. Have a good week. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you found this podcast both useful and enjoyable. If you'd like to access any of the free resources mentioned, assess your training against the methodology or find out more about the Train the Trainer program, please head to our website, Training forinfluence.co.uk and to finish I'd just like to say I truly believe that facilitating training is both an opportunity and a privilege so thank you for recognising that effective values-led training can make a real difference to delegates to organisations and ultimately to people accessing frontline services